Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast, episode number 23, where I speak with Ayurvedic doctor Mary Alice Quinn on the medicinal properties of herbs and the herbal medicine powerhouse, turmeric. We'll talk about it next. This episode is sponsored by the International Institute of Ayurveda. IIA is based in Northern California and Tuscany, Italy, offering both Ayurvedic education and clinical Ayurveda. For those interested in pursuing a career in Ayurveda, the Certified Ayurvedic Practitioner course begins in January 2022. This 1,500-hour, two-year intensive training is capped at 10 students to ensure that our future practitioners are given individualized mentorship and guidance by some of Ayurveda's top professionals today. For inquiries regarding either the school or the clinic, please email reception at iiayurveda.com. That's reception at iiayurveda.com. Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and it is my deepest desire to journey with you down the path to better health, mind, body, and spirit through the practice of mindfulness and spiritual awakening. Here in this sacred space, we will examine how the practice of higher consciousness and self-awareness can actually lead us to an optimal state of physical and spiritual health. We will talk about the various ways to increase our awareness and support one another along this beautiful journey. Thank you for being here and welcome. I'm here today speaking with Mary Alice Quinn. Mary Alice is a National Ayurvedic Medical Association peer-reviewed Ayurvedic doctor and clinical herbalist serving clients both nationally and internationally since 2004. She is a senior instructor for the California College of Ayurveda and the International Integrative Educational Institute's professional training programs. She currently resides in Sacramento, California, where she has an active private practice blending Ayurvedic nutritional therapies and daily rhythms, as well as personalized herbal remedies and body therapies to assist her clients in achieving and maintaining healthy, satisfying, and balanced lives. She was also my instructor for my Ayurvedic health counseling program through the California College of Ayurveda. Hello again, Mary Alice. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Sherry. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Happy to talk to you today. Yes. It's always nice to chat with you on this, I feel like ever increasingly important topic of herbal therapeutics and herbal medicine. Um, I thought we could um, continue our last podcast conversation on the medicinal properties and uses of herbs, because I know in my own healing practice, I'm seeing a lot of inflammatory symptoms in my clients. Uh, Yeah. So I'm definitely, yeah, that turmeric is going to come up and be a huge topic in our conversation today. So I I just wanted to start the episode with a question though, so we can start at the very beginning, because I would like to ask you this myself. What is an herbalist exactly? Mm, Great question. Um, So an herbalist is essentially a natural healing practitioner that primarily uses herbs or plants 
uh, in order to treat and prevent disease. Um, and so there are several systems, many systems that use herbal medicine. So you can be a Western herbalist that primarily uses herbs according to a biomedical model. So that means that they are looking at a disease condition and they're choosing herbs that are known either through research, research or historical evidence that they address that particular disease. And then also, as you know, we use herbs within Ayurvedic medicine, and that is through a system of energetics. So we're looking at each individual person and we're matching up the herbs that are going to be balancing for that individual as well in traditional Chinese medicine, they use herbs according to their system. And so that's the basic gist of an herbalist. They're going to use herbal medicine primarily as their tool for healing. Now, any one herbalist may be trained in several other disciplines, and they may incorporate things like diet and lifestyle and other types of therapies, maybe in traditional Chinese medicine, Herbs would be combined with acupuncture in a Western herbalist training. They might combine herbs with massage therapy. And of course, you know, in Ayurveda, we combine herbs with everything <laughs> from <laughs> diet to lifestyle to self-care and subtle therapies. Yeah. So it's using plants as uh, the main tool for healing. Thank you for that explanation. When you're speaking Ayurvedically and you're speaking energetically, as I think we mentioned on the last podcast you're talking about doing an assessment, an Ayurvedic consultation, and then deciding how that disease is manifesting in the body. And then using a certain herb is if the disease is depleting to the tissue, then you'll use an herb to address that. Or if, mm. right, or if the disease is, what do you say when it's not depleting, it's maybe a disease of excess, right? Then we want to do the opposite. We want to purify Right, right. Right. Like we see with um, high blood sugar, obesity. And so it seems to me before we really get into the conversation and, and, you know, when you, when, when you and I were working together as teacher student, we talked about uh, herbs and herbal mm -hmm. medicine. I was fascinated by it, but I didn't really know that much about it. And being a Western culture person, a Westerner, um, it was always like kind of taboo, you know, in the Western yeah. culture. Like, yeah. don't take those herbs. They're dangerous. You know, stick to the farm. Yeah. Yikes. Right. So, <laughs> right. right. I can't wait to hear this because as I get deeper into Ayurvedic training, I'm seeing that our diet is just going downhill. Yes. The amount of stress that we have in our culture is just exploding. And so now in my mind, herbs and herbal medicine and that whole entire world is becoming more and more important. Mm, absolutely. I totally agree. You know, I've really thought long and hard about our cultural resistance to natural medicine in general and herbs specifically. And I really come up short every time because it absolutely makes no sense to me. I mean, here we are in a time where these plants have the potential to really dig us out of a major hole of poor health that yep. we've gotten ourselves into. And not only that on an individual level, which we can all see the benefits of using things that are from nature, that our bodies respond to really well, that we talked about last time, don't have side effects, but have side benefits. But then when we think more globally, how important this is in the time that we're in to come back to plants 
that produce oxygen and take carbon dioxide out of the environment and also actually heal the planet, right? And don't pump more chemicals and hormones and all kinds of byproducts into ourselves and our environment. So honestly, I'm with you. I really hope that we start to take a second look at these medicines that have been used safely and effectively, way more safely and effectively than most pharmaceuticals will ever yep. uh, achieve. Yeah, hundred percent. So, well, that's a great opening for this topic. Then I think we can start to dive right in about turmeric. Yes, and turmeric seems to be the wonder, the wonder herb. So, <laughs> start, let's start to talk about turmeric. Yeah, it sure is. Um, you know, my mentor's nickname is Haldi Baba, which means Sir Turmeric. Um, And he jokingly (laughs) says that turmeric is a 50 year overnight sensation, meaning that, you know, he's been learning about and lecturing on and using clinically turmeric for over 50 years. And all of a sudden it's, you know, really come into the consciousness Um, and, uh, you know, it really has uh, taken the supplement industry by storm, as well as the research um, uh, sector uh, for really good reason. Uh, And if there was ever an herb for the time that we're in, I really do think that turmeric uh, will lead the way. Because as you said, so many of our clients are presenting with real substantial chronic inflammatory conditions. And we're going to talk about how turmeric can really be of benefit in that regard. So the scientific name for turmeric is curcuma longa, curcuma longa. It's a perennial herb. It's in the ginger family. Uh, So that means that it's closely related to ginger and cardamom. And it grows in really hot tropical climates. Um, Originally, it grew in India, but now it's grown all throughout South Asia. And it's often grown as dual crops. So it's a relatively short plant. And so that will grow close to the ground. And then it might be grown in tandem with uh, large coconut trees, for example. Now, the uh, medicinal portion or the food portion is actually the root or technically what's called the rhizome. So there's a botanical distinction, right, between a root and a rhizome. Uh, Rhizomes, we don't hear all that much about. We generally call them roots, but they're actually horizontal underground plant stems that are used to store starches and proteins. So rhizomes are capable of producing a shoot and a root system of a new plant. So that's what essentially keeps that plant alive underground during the off season, right, when it's not in bloom. Now, the um, yellow orangish root, which we're going to call from here on out a root instead of the technical name rhizome, just for (laughs) for ease, that is the plant part that we use for food and for medicine, right? So this is a very popular ingredient in Indian recipes. In fact, it's what makes Indian uh, dishes yellow, right? Curries, we often see have that yellow color. It's most often from turmeric root. Now, is saffron the same as turmeric or is it a different? It is different. Um, It also does impart a bit of color to the dishes that it is cooked with, but saffron is the uh, reproductive part of a very specific type of flour and it's very precious and it's very expensive and it comes in very low supply. So you'll see that saffron has a pretty high price in the market Um, and is also used medicinally in Ayurveda, but for other things than turmeric root. Okay. Um, The U.S. actually is the largest importer of turmeric worldwide. Do you happen to know what it's used for primarily here in the U.S., Sherry? I don't. I I would venture a guess 
uh, food coloring? I don't know. Yes, you got it. That's oh. exactly right. For okay. food coloring, primarily to make yellow mustard yellow. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, Ayurvedically speaking, um, we were uh, mentioning energetics and Ayurveda has a very specific way of defining the energetics or the personality of a plant. And that is through rasa, virya and vipaka. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll define these terms. Rasa is the taste of a substance. And taste is important, as you've been learning, because it communicates to the body and to the brain exactly what's coming in and how to prepare for receiving it. So turmeric root is bitter primarily, it's astringent, and it's mildly pungent. So to the Ayurvedic student, that will already mean a lot, um, because just Mm -hmm. understanding the taste of a substance helps us to understand what actions it has and what effects it has on the doshas. Right. right. But uh, we'll talk about the bitterness, which is very good for purification, especially of the blood and the liver. We'll talk about turmeric's astringency. That means that it helps to tighten up tissues. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that it has a mild pungency also helps with things like digestion and circulation. It's virya, which means whether it's a heating or a cooling type of an influence is mildly warming. Right. And this is important with turmeric because as students of Ayurveda, we learn that things are either hot or cold and we don't get the subtleties unless we study with a teacher. Right. And so turmeric really is just slightly warming. That's important because oftentimes when we think that we're dealing with a hot condition, like a pitta condition, an inflammatory condition, that something like turmeric would actually not be a good idea because it's warming. Right. But it actually is very mildly warming. And what we're going to see is that because of its profound anti-inflammatory effects and the fact that it is very purifying to the blood and to the liver, it's actually really great for pitta conditions. Right. So we don't have to shy away from turmeric because it is technically warming. Right. It's just, let's say, to the right of neutral. Right. Okay. Um, And then Vipaka. Yeah. Heating. Right. That's right. Exactly. Vipaka is the last bit of energetics. It is pungent. That means that it's purifying to the tissues over time, which we definitely can see. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Ayurveda doesn't just look at energetics. We also adopt a bit of a biomedical model in that we look at the uh, classical Ayurvedic medicinal actions, as well as modern understanding of an herb in order to use it appropriately. Mm-hmm. So the main actions that we identify turmeric as are anti-inflammatory, right? Astringent, we mentioned. Alternative, that means that it's cleansing to the blood. It is profoundly anti-cancer. Mm-hmm. It's antimicrobial, which means that it works against all types of microbes from bacterial infections, fungal infections, parasitic infections, worm infestations. It is a digestive stimulant. It's a hepatic, which means that it's generally supportive to the liver. Mm -hmm. It's anticoagulant, which means that it prevents blood from clotting in the bloodstream. But at the same time, it's also hemostatic, which means that it stops blood from coming out of places where it shouldn't be. Um, And then finally, one of its other main claims to fame is vulnerary, which means that it is uh, wound healing, right? And so we're going to see that it does help treat Uh, many inflammatory skin conditions, as well as acute injuries. So let me talk a little bit about the two basic forms of turmeric that are available to us. Sure. Right. So if you are going to walk into your grocery store, 
you're going to either find raw turmeric root or you're going to find turmeric powder, right? So those are the two basic forms. So if you find in your local grocery store that they have fresh turmeric root, it's used just like ginger root in cooking and in juicing. So if you're purchasing turmeric root, you want to make sure that the skin is nice and taut. It's not wrinkly. The root itself should be nice and firm. It shouldn't be soft or bendy. And you don't want to see any mold or any dried out portions, right? So just like ginger root, to use it raw, you would peel it and then you would chop it or you could even grate it. And then you can add that raw to, you know, salads and other preparations, or you can cook it into dishes. So is it's it, very is, common. Is yes, it pleasant tasting when it's raw like that? Was your question about the taste? Yeah. Is it, you know, like fresh ginger when you kind of yes. grate it? I mean, I like the taste of ginger, but I've, I don't think I've ever tasted raw, like fresh turmeric before. It has a really unique taste. Um, and so it's definitely for a lot of, I'll say Westerners, an acquired taste. Okay. Um, but it also is really unique and definitely something that I believe a lot of people can get behind. Um, sure. It's not quite as spicy and pungent like ginger, right? Ginger, there's only so much that you can eat raw um, <laughs> or add, you know, to your hot water to make tea because it's so spicy. Turmeric is. is not spicy in that way, but it has some other really interesting taste profiles that are unique to uh, the Western palate. Okay. Now, when you are adding it to dishes, you can cook it, which does tend to make it a little bit more mild in its flavor, but it still has a pretty unique taste. So you might put it into soups and stews or kitchenies, things like that. And you can even juice it, right? There's a lot of companies that are popping up preparing fresh juices and turmeric is definitely one that is commonly juiced and you can get quite a bit of juice out of those little turmeric roots. Interesting. Yeah. Now, the powder is probably going to be the form that most people are familiar with, and mm -hmm. that comes from the raw fresh roots, which after harvest have been dried out. Uh, then they're actually boiled or steamed, which preserves the active constituents and stops the enzymatic activity within the root. And then they're air dried completely. The skin is polished off and then they're uh, finally ground to a powder. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's where the powder comes from. Now in clinical application, there are basically two main medicinal forms of turmeric uh, available besides the raw, right? We could argue that raw, fresh turmeric is absolutely medicinal, but as far as using turmeric in clinical practice, most people are going to be using either turmeric root powder, like we mentioned, mm -hmm. or another preparation called curcumin extract. Yes. Right. So I want to talk about the difference between these two. Okay. Now, as we mentioned, whole root powder, there's nothing added, nothing taken away except for the water, right? That's evaporated off. Now, keep in mind, on average, medicinal plants like turmeric typically have about 10,000 constituents. And of those, there are dozens of active compounds within any one plant. Right. And that's what provides that real dynamic medicinal action of a plant that we'll talk about in some detail. Mm -hmm. But the uh, whole root powder is typically taken as a single herb or in combination with other powdered herbs in a formula. And then that powder is either taken in some type of a liquid, it might be water or a, another beverage, that powder can be stirred into a couple of bites of food in order to get it in, or it might be encapsulated, right? And you might take that um, capsule of whole turmeric. 
And then you're getting all of those active ingredients, right? And in whole tumor Could you use that, that powder and make a paste for like a skin inflammation or a skin infection? Absolutely. Yep. That is a very common use for turmeric root topically is either as a spot treatment, especially if there is acne that is infected with bacteria, which is very common mm-hmm. um, because it's profoundly antibacterial. As well, you can use it to help expedite the healing of a wound. Like let's say you get a cut on your finger. Sure. If you mix it into a paste with a little bit of raw honey, the enzymes within the raw, raw honey and the antibacterial nature of the raw honey along with the turmeric acts like nature's neosporin. And it really expedites the healing time of any kind of an abrasion. Wow. Now let's talk about the other main medicinal preparation, which is curcumin extract. Yeah. So curcumin is considered to be the active ingredient in turmeric. But remember, I said that on average, a plant has about 10,000 different constituents and dozens and dozens of active ingredients. So this is the compound that has gotten the most attention. It is sold as a single compound supplement or a concentrated extract. And in fact, curcumin is the compound that gives turmeric its yellow color. Right. So it's the the most researched compound in the herb. In fact, there are thousands of research papers that have been written written in just the last decade alone on curcumin. Mm. So curcumin is a polyphenol. Um, That is a substance that's known for being antioxidant and anti-inflammatory and anti-cancer. But it's technically one of a group of compounds known collectively as curcuminoids. Yes. Um, Now, curcuminoids, they only make up about 5% of turmeric's total compounds, right? And so again, it's just a small portion of many different active ingredients within whole turmeric root. Mm. But curcumin is extracted from whole turmeric root and it's sold as a supplement. So you can think of it as a highly concentrated form of this active ingredient. Now, for comparison, whole turmeric root has 117th the potency of curcumin extract. So what that means on average, it would take about 17 capsules of whole turmeric powder to give you the same amount of curcumin in one capsule of that concentrated extract. And is curcumin used for the same imbalances or diseases? Really good question. Curcumin's main action is anti-inflammatory. Okay. Period. Turmeric roots actions are many fold, right? All of those things that I mentioned from anti-cancer to, yes, of course, anti-inflammatory to supportive to the liver and the blood and on and on it goes, that applies to whole turmeric root. Mm. Curcumin's main action is as an anti-inflammatory. Now, likely there are other compounds in turmeric that have that action. Sure. Um, And of course, whole turmeric is well known for being anti-inflammatory, but it's also known for many other medicinal actions. Right. Mm -hmm. So now the the advantage of curcumin is that, you know, if lowering inflammation is your objective, right, if that's your sole objective, then curcumin has some serious advantages, primarily taking a lower dose. Right. Right. Because it's more concentrated. But then we have to acknowledge or be aware of the fact that we're not getting all of those other biomedical actions that whole turmeric root provides. Right. Right. So if someone comes in and is suffering from rheumatoid arthritis side. Mm-hmm. And that's it, really. I mean, you yep. know. <laughs> um, right, right. 
Well, just for argument's sake, we'll just say that's, that's the only symptom that's, that's manifesting before you. And, and for mm-hmm. that. So, mm-hmm. so that would be a curcumin opportunity. Yeah. Well, you picked an interesting condition, Sherry, because, um, just rheumatoid arthritis um, is a really complex condition, which is an autoimmune condition, which we believe has its roots back in uh, a leaky gut and poor digestion and a whole host of other issues that turmeric, whole turmeric really would address. But again, if you're dealing with, let's say, I need to get out of pain today, then curcumin extract is a very potent compound that's really going to address the inflammatory aspect of a person's condition. Oh, wow. Right. So maybe, yes, we have them starting with increasing their dose of curcumin to the point where they're getting some tangible benefits, but at the same time, let's bring in whole turmeric root to support every other aspect of their health. Right. Perfect. Now we were talking a little bit about the ongoing issue that we have with pharmaceuticals being the primary answer for most questions that patients have. And uh, just to mention a little bit on uh, curcumin in comparison to pharmaceuticals in the research, curcumin performed just as good, if not better than many popular pharmaceutical drugs that are commonly prescribed for things like high cholesterol. So those are our statin drugs. Mm. Um, Of course, inflammation, those are our corticosteroids and our uh, both prescription and over-the-counter NSAIDs right? Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. It goes head to head with antidepressants, anticoagulants like aspirin, even chemotherapy drugs and diabetic medications like metformin. So curcumin is really showing amazing results in the research when it is compared to many of these pharmaceutical drugs. And what do these conditions have in common? Inflammation, right? Mm -hmm. So let's get into a little bit of the details um, and let's talk about the actions of turmeric on a couple of major systems. Would that be a good way to handle it? It'd be beautiful. Awesome. All right. So let's first talk about the digestive system. Of course, um, you and I, Sherry, are very much committed uh, to working on the digestive system because Ayurveda teaches us that that's the root of all healing. And of course, on the flip side, it's also the root of all disease. Mm -hmm. Um, so turmeric root enhances the secretion of mucin and our digestive enzyme secretions in our gastric juices. Mm -hmm. So that means that it's going to help to alleviate or even prevent indigestion and of course, reduce gas. In fact, if you had some kind of parasitic infection, it -hmm. kills intestinal parasites and worms and fungi. It also in the digestive system promotes bile flow. And bile flow is really important because it helps us to digest fats and also absorb fat soluble nutrients. You know, Um, and I'll just say this. I don't even think most people even give it a thought about mm -hmm. bile and what bile is doing in the body. Yes. uh, At all. I, 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 and it's so important and Mm. most people even know about it, what, what's going on. It's true. Um, The most that we're aware of it is maybe if we are diagnosed with gallstones because Mm -hmm. we start to get some uh, serious digestive issues and or some pain, your medical doctor finds out that you have gallstones, you're scheduled for removal of your gallbladder the next day, right? And then end of story. That's the most that most of us have awareness uh, around the, the gallbladder, which is the container for bile that the liver produces. 
And just like you said, bile is really important. Number one, it is the way in which we detoxify. So your liver is filtering every drop of blood every three minutes and pulling out all kinds of toxins and metabolites that goes into the bile. The bile gets stored and concentrated in the gallbladder and is then uh, secretes that bile into your intestines, especially when you consume fats. And not only does that carry toxic waste out of the body, but it also simultaneously helps you to digest your fats and absorb the nutrients of those fats. And in addition, bile is necessary for triggering peristalsis, which are the wave-like contractions of your intestines that allow for you to have an easy, comfortable bowel movement. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, It's so important. And I, you know, I know before I started studying in depth, I didn't give it any thought. And you hear people are having their gallbladders removed and you and young, young people are. Yes, that's right. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. It's the most common uh, surgical procedure uh, here in the U S is gallbladder removal. Um, And they've gotten really good at doing it, but we haven't gotten really good at identifying well, in natural healing, we are very good at identifying what the issues are. In conventional medicine, there's not a lot of answers for patients other than the surgical removal, which of course we know has a whole host of uh, downstream effects on digestion long-term, right? Yeah. So promoting bile flow is one of turmeric's benefits, and clearly that's going to help us in a lot of ways. Now, because it's an anti-inflammatory and an astringent, it's also good for healing ulcers, and inflammatory bowel diseases in general. Mm. Um, Now, one other thing that I love about turmeric is that it promotes a healthy gut microbiome, right? And so that means that it keeps a good balance of microbes within the gut, which we know makes up 70% of our immune response, as well as protects us against allergies and autoimmune conditions. And of course, helps us to digest many of the things that we eat on a regular basis. And are we, are we talking about like ulcerative colitis? With, with yes, that would be one of the conditions within the family of inflammatory bowel diseases. There's ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Now, uh, talking about digestion, one of the easiest ways to add turmeric root is into your food, right? And so you'll see so many Ayurvedic recipes call for adding turmeric root which is making your food into your medicine and making your medicine, your food, right? Mm -hmm. So you can add that. We mentioned the raw root. You can chop that and add it in, or you can add the powder. One of the more traditional preparations, I may have mentioned this last time we spoke is a tatka or tarka, T-A-R-K-A, or sometimes you'll see it spelled T-A-D-K-A, tarka. And this is basically just sauteing herbs with some type of a oil or fat. And of course, in Ayurveda, we like ghee for this, right? Clarified butter. So you would heat up the ghee. And then if you have whole spices, like let's say uh, fennel seeds or cumin seeds, your fresh chopped ginger, you would add all that in, let that saute and get nice and aromatic for a minute or two. And then you would add in your powdered spices like turmeric, let that sizzle around, make sure that it doesn't burn, but get nice and coated. And then you can drizzle that onto your food, like a condiment, Mm. or you can make that the base of your soup or your stew or your kitchen. Beautiful. Because he is releasing the oils and the 
Is that what the heat's doing? Yeah. So ghee is uh, releasing the fat soluble constituents within those herbs and allows them to get transported in on a cellular level. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, speaking of absorption of Mm. turmeric, let's talk bioavailability. So turmeric is known for having a low bioavailability, which that refers to a substance's ability to get absorbed into the bloodstream. Right. So curcumin is one of the fat soluble constituents within turmeric. It's not very absorbable. It has a low bioavailability. So it's actually best when it is cooked with fat or oil or other spices to enhance the absorption of those fat soluble constituents. Right. So that's why traditionally many of these spices like turmeric were used in cooking with where, you know, inevitably you're going to have some fats and other spices that are going to increase the absorption. Okay. Right. Okay. So um, when now they're, when they're combined with the fat, like, yes, then they yes. slide into the cell. Is that? How yeah. It- so that's right. Your cells are made up of a bilayer of phospholipids. So a bilayer of, of fats. And so your cells love things in a fatty medium. And so ghee really delivers those properties, right? When the constituents have been extracted within to the fats and that gets absorbed into your body, then those fats will deliver those therapeutic properties into the cells. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Now to further enhance absorption, researchers use piperine, which is an extract from black pepper. And so that's the compound that has received the most attention. It's the most commonly used compound in the research when trying to increase the absorption of curcumin extract. And it's what you're going to find added to either turmeric or curcumin supplements. And on average, it's shown to increase absorption by about 20%, right? Which is a good thing, right? We want to increase the absorption. But I want to mention this because in the, in the internet sphere, it's a little bit of a game of operation. Do you remember that game when you were a kid, like you sat in a circle and you said one thing to the kid next to you and they said it to the kid next to them. And then by the time everyone got through, you see what they came up with, which was different than what you had started with. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, So what's happened in the internet is that this has gotten exaggerated pretty significantly. So I see blogs that talk about piperine increasing the absorption by 200%, by 2000%. They just keep on adding zeros. Oh my God. Um, And my point is that it is very good for increasing the absorption, but by about 20%. So let's just, you know, keep all of that in check. It's a good thing, but it's, you know, depending upon how much turmeric you take, that's really going to determine how much you get into your body. Right. Mm -hmm. And as we mentioned, if you do take it with some type of a fat, especially if you take it with some type of a fat and other spices like black pepper or any other spice likely, then you will increase the absorption. Okay. So that substance is being mixed in when you're taking turmeric as a capsule. Yes. You'll see. Yeah. So that's right. So that's why it'll help when you go and you look for turmeric supplements, you're going to see why is this black pepper here? Or why is this piperine added? And it's added because it enhances the absorption. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, Now let's talk respiratory tract, right? So we talked digestive system in the respiratory tract, of course, because turmeric is anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial, it's excellent for upper and lower respiratory tract infections. So if you're dealing with the cough or uh, influenza, bronchitis, pneumonia, Mm -hmm. um, in fact, it's also used in asthma management because most 
forms of asthma present as an inflammatory reaction. Right. Right. So we've got asthma management. You can even use it as a gargle for pharyngitis, which is sore throat. Right. So if you are wanting to use it as a gargle, you might add anywhere from a half to a full teaspoon of turmeric powder to a glass of warm water. And then you'll want to add about an eighth to a fourth of a teaspoon of salt, mm-hmm. ideally some kind of a natural salt, sea salt, rock salt, Himalayan salt. And then you can use that turmeric salt water to gargle with if you have a sore throat. What's the salt right, so mixed in? Yes, the salt helps to break up mucus. And then oh, okay. the turmeric is both antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory and astringent. So it's going to heal the tissue while the um, salt helps to break up any mucus secretions, right? Um, So you would take a mouthful of that, tilt your head back, gargle, 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 spit that out, fill your mouth up again, do that until you finish that glass, and then you're done for that session. And then you might do that several more times throughout the day if you were dealing with a sore throat or if you felt like you were getting sick. Perfect. Wow. Good tip. Um, speaking of feeling like you're getting sick, um, you can add a pinch of turmeric powder to your neti water. Ah. Neti, remember, is the nasal flushing. Yeah. Right. It's basically where you're flushing out your sinus passages, um, which we know, and this has been highlighted during the current pandemic, that mm-hmm. most of our infectious organisms enter in through our sinus passages and our mouth right? So doing this saline flush with, by using a neti pot and a little bit of turmeric powder in your water can really help if you were exposed to somebody who is sick, or if you're in the early stages of feeling like you're getting sick yourself, it's a really good idea to do um, neti, but also uh, you can make it a little bit more potent by adding a pinch or two of turmeric powder to that. That's a great tip. Um, Now, one of my favorite ways to use turmeric for respiratory conditions is to make a paste of this that you take internally. So you can make a turmeric honey paste. So you want to get a good quality raw honey Mm -hmm. and ideally organic turmeric powder. And however much you want to make, if you want to make a batch of this that you can then consume for the next couple of days, then maybe you take, let's say, a fourth of a cup of this raw honey And you just keep on adding turmeric powder in and stir it and stir it and stir it until it starts to thicken and you get a really good amount of turmeric powder. You'll be surprised at how much turmeric powder you can stir into a fourth of a cup of honey. Yeah. You just spoonfuls, spoonfuls, right? And and if you want, here's a good time. You can crack a couple of turns of your uh, pepper mill, right? And get some fresh ground pepper in there as well. And then that paste, you would lick a teaspoon of that every hour, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have the common cold or you're dealing with a cough, or again, in the early stages, if you feel like you're getting sick and you don't want to get sick, mm-hmm. <laughs> then mm-hmm. it'd be a good time to take that turmeric paste every hour on the hour. How cool. Wow. Yeah. Really, really great let's talk about the cardiovascular system because there's a lot that turmeric does here. I mentioned that turmeric is an alternative, right? So that means that it's a blood purifier or it's a blood cleanser Mm. and that supports liver health, um, which also supports the health of your skin. And in fact, your eyes as well, as these are all related organs. Mm. So I often like to say that our skin is a reflection of our blood and our blood is a reflection of our liver. Right. And so if turmeric is a blood cleanser, 
then not only is it purifying the blood, which takes some of that burden off of the liver, and it's therefore supportive to the liver, it's also supportive to the skin. And as well, our eyes have a intimate connection between the skin and the liver. And so when you support one organ, generally speaking, you support the others. Right. All right. Now, one of the biggest concerns that we have in modern day, and there's a lot of debate actually about how concerning this is, but cholesterol, mm. right? So we do see that turmeric normalizes cholesterol through several different mechanisms. Um, the first is that it reduces serum cholesterol. That's the amount of cholesterol that's circulating within your blood. Mm-hmm. It also removes the accumulation of cholesterol in the liver. And as well, it reduces the uptake of cholesterol in the intestines. So therefore you can see it has a pretty profound effect on balancing cholesterol levels. Absolutely. Um, The other thing that's cool is that it increases the conversion of cholesterol into our bile acids. And we mentioned this, it also increases the excretion of those bile acids. Right. And we mentioned, of course, that bile is necessary for proper detoxification and also breakdown of our fats for absorption and uh, easy, efficient bowel movements, right? So all of this increase in bile production and excretion that turmeric provides is a real benefit. Yeah. I did mention that it's an anticoagulant and a hemostat. So that should be a little confusing because those are opposing (laughs) actions, right? Right. Right. In one sense, we're saying that it prevents the blood from clotting, but then in another sense, we're saying that it stops bleeding. Um, And this just goes to show you how amazing um, nature is right? When you combine these compounds together in this beautiful form that we call turmeric, it prevents blood from clotting inside the bloodstream. And this is one of the components of cardiovascular disease is when the blood becomes thick and viscous and it tends to clot, which increases our susceptibility to heart attack and stroke as well. It causes the heart to work harder to pump against that thick blood, right? right? And so uh, turmeric reduces that. But then when we have blood that is pathologically coming out of places where it shouldn't, like a bleeding ulcer internally, which by the way, is a very common cause of anemia in America, as well as just a wound that you have externally, um, turmeric is very good at reducing bleeding. Now it also reduces arterial plaque formation. Um, And that's about that. When you were talking, I was going to say, I wonder how impact was on, on plaque cardiovascular Well, it really, in the research shows um, two primary things. I mean, the first thing that's so obvious is that it's anti-inflammatory and most of the damage to the blood vessels occurs because of inflammatory processes, right? It's the toxins we're exposed to. It's the stress response that we're constantly experiencing. It is the foods that we're eating, right? If we're smoking cigarettes, obviously, if we have too much sugar in our diet, obviously, right? Those are things that damage the blood vessels. But what turmeric does is that it inhibits what's called platelet aggregation. Um, And that's just a fancy way of saying that it inhibits clotting, right? What we were just talking about. And it also reduces smooth muscle damage. So remember, your arteries have an inner lining of muscle, smooth muscle, right? right? That's under the control of your autonomic nervous system. So it reduces the damage to that muscular lining as well as the inner lining, the endothelium of the blood vessels, which, you know, this is the beginning stages of atherosclerosis, which leads us to cardiovascular disease, right? 
Um, two more things about the cardiovascular system that I want to mention. One is that it is part of a treatment for anemia because it facilitates the production of new red blood cells. Mm-hmm. And it also has very strong antioxidant activity in general. In fact, it's even more potent than vitamin C and vitamin E as an antioxidant. Wow. Let's move on to the musculoskeletal system, um, because this is a system that many of us are concerned with, especially as we age. What's interesting is that in ancient times, turmeric was used extensively by the yogis to aid recovery from intensive asana practices. Ah. Right. And so um, again, it's anti-inflammatory and it's astringent. So it aids the healing of connective tissue, right? Mm -hmm. So tendons and ligaments and joints in general, in fact, it's said to have a joint rebuilding action. Right. So that's really, really good. That tells us that it's very good for arthritic conditions. In fact, it's a very famous remedy for arthritic conditions. It's the most widely used herb in India for arthritis. Mm -hmm. And it's often used in combination with ginger for that condition. Okay. Now, um, being a polyphenol, as I mentioned earlier, it helps to stabilize collagen. So it's also used to expedite healing after surgery. Um, So that will help to reduce our tendency towards uh, developing adhesions and scar tissue. So very, very good for stabilizing collagen and healing tissue. Now talk one second about, can you use it in beauty products? I mean, can you make your own and use it on your face for collagen? Yes. Now do it just helps stabilize. Collagen is best used internally for supporting skin health, right? As opposed to topically. Now, turmeric, the same thing. You can use it internally and topically. I'll tell you that fair-skinned individuals will not love using turmeric topically because it will temporarily stain your skin yellow. (laughs) So we're all going to get super excited and we're going to go make a a mask, a face mask of turmeric. And you're going to be really mad at me because you're going to look like a Oompa Loompa for, you know, (laughs) the next half hour, couple of hours. Right. But it works phenomenally well as a topical remedy for the skin. If we can get around the whole issue with the temporary uh, staining of your skin. Now, just since we're talking about it, uh, turmeric stains a lot of things. In fact, it's used as a dye for fabrics. Right. And so that's the thing that you need to know. It's a little bit messy and it does stain things, which, you know, it doesn't stain your body tissues that will resolve, but it will stain your sheets and your pajamas and, you know, even your sink and your toothbrush, at least temporarily. Right. Okay. 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 (laughs) Um, So back to the musculoskeletal system, we can see that it can be used for both acute trauma and also, of course, chronic inflammatory musculoskeletal issues. Okay. Now, speaking of inflammation, it's important to note that our typical anti-inflammatory drugs have really serious consequences, right? These are the drugs that most people want to use to manage their pain or to manage their arthritis. And they have very serious side effects, especially when they're used regularly, like uh, stomach bleeding and ulcer formation and immune suppression right? Whereas curcumin extract, um, as well as whole turmeric has been proven to be exceedingly safe, right? So curcumin has shown no known toxicity. There haven't been any undesirable effects that have been observed in any of the animal studies either. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of a big, it's a big statement, what you're saying. It really is. It it's really is. Yeah. 
Yep. Right. And again, as we started this conversation, I think we're in a time now where we're looking for solutions that may not be the path of least resistance, right? That's the blue pill, right? Yeah. And we've, we've tried that out and we've seen that it actually doesn't hold its weight. It doesn't deliver what we thought that it was going to, right? Because uh, we are, our disease conditions are just being perpetuated on the inside and we're generally speaking, not getting any better. Right. But now we're looking for solutions that are safe, but also effective. And that's what these herbal medicines can really provide. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about turmeric and the skin. It's a major skin remedy in Ayurveda. So it's taken orally and used topically, as we mentioned. Mm -hmm. It has a particular effectiveness in chronic inflammatory skin conditions like acne and eczema and psoriasis. And that's partially because we mentioned it, uh, it uh, cleanses and cools the liver, right? It cleanses and cools the liver and the blood and the skin. Mm -hmm. And therefore it speeds up the healing time and prevents new outbreaks when it's taken pretty consistently. Right. No, most, and as we just mentioned, skin and eczema and psoriasis. Yes. Those are horrible conditions when they're like chronic and really, really, really bad. Mm. Yes. I mean, I've seen some serious eczema and psoriasis covering entire bodies. Yep. Yep. Um, it's, you know, it's, I mean, we kind of, you know, it's skin and maybe we don't make a, as big a deal as, as if it, we're talking about the liver or something, which connects to the liver anyway, with the skin conditions, but it's, there's a lot of suffering with psoriasis and eczema for people. Exactly. Absolutely. I hope they really, I hope they really hear this. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, not only you know, the obvious, which is that it can be very painful, but also unsightly. Yes. Right. And so, you know, there's a lot of self-judgment and, you know, concern that people have going out in the world when they're dealing with these uh, major skin conditions, okay. understandably. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a psychological component for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Now, most all skin conditions require internal treatment. And I want to emphasize that because in our Western culture, we've been led to believe that you can treat skin conditions topically, um, and they very rarely are an issue from the outside, mm -hmm. right? They are issues from the inside out. But as we mentioned, tumor can be used externally in skin treatments as well. So you'll find plenty of Ayurvedic soaps that have turmeric creams, you can make a turmeric powder into a facial scrub or a mask. Mm -hmm. uh, you can do spot treatments, right? Where you make a little paste and you put that onto a particular lesion. Yep. Um, just knowing that again, it's going to temporarily stain your skin. Right, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, before we talk about dose, uh, which is a really important part of our conversation, I just wanted to mention briefly cancer. Yeah. Right. So like other antioxidants, turmeric reduces the formation of cancers, right? Mm -hmm. And it has been shown to inhibit cancer at all stages, the initiation, the promotion and the progression stages of cancer. Oh, I want to correct myself. When we had our previous podcast, I had mentioned the work that is being done on cancer research and turmeric root, but I'm erroneously said Bastyr University where it's actually Baylor University. Okay. It, makes, it makes a big difference. Bastyr University is up in Seattle. It is a wonderful naturopathic university, highly respected, but a relatively you know, small school. Mm -hmm. um, whereas 
Baylor University in Texas is a major university. And the bigger the university, generally speaking, the better funded the research is. And therefore, you know, the, the more, let's say, well-respected the research uh, also is. So you can look at the work by Dr. Ajay Goel. He's the director of epigenetics and cancer prevention at Baylor University. And I was mentioning that they were testing the effects of curcumin on about hundred different cancers and it showed benefit in every single one of them. Wow. So of course there's so much more we could say it's used clinically in treatment and prevention of Alzheimer's disease in depression, diabetes, PMS, periodontal disease. I mean, literally the list goes on and on. So if we were, if we wanted to kind of take away, what does turmeric do in a nutshell, it prevents and protects us against aging, cancer, chronic inflammation, and all of the diseases that are associated with chronic inflammation. Beautiful. It is a powerhouse, isn't it? Mm, Absolutely. And we've just really just briefly touched on things. I'm sure we could have another couple of hour long conversation. You know, I really, I really had to narrow down um, some of the more popular yeah. systems, but literally, I mean, we could talk about the reproductive system. We could talk about the urinary system. We could talk about it for acute as well as chronic treatment. But one thing that we do want to touch on, which I mentioned is really important is dosing, mm-hmm. right? And so again, this is going to apply to whole turmeric root, right? That's the rhizome that has been dried and ground to a powder. It's not a concentrated extract. It's the way that nature intended it. It's actually a really mild herb. And so one of the biggest challenges we have in clinical practice is that most Americans are used to pharmaceutical doses Mm. and in pharmaceutical dosing, number one, you're never supposed to mess around with your dose, right? You're supposed to take it as prescribed. And it's usually one tablet that you might take once, if not maybe three times a day, right? right? Yep. In contrast, turmeric root is so mild that to use it for acute conditions, you may need upwards of an ounce of turmeric powder, which an ounce is about 30 grams, which if we were to give you a volume measurement of that, that would be about four tablespoons. Okay. Four tablespoons of turmeric powder is an acute therapeutic dose. So let's say I'm riding my bike down the mountain, I crash, I bust my ankle, I hobble home, I've got a big, bright, sore, busted ankle. I'm going to need about four tablespoons of turmeric that day and the next day and likely several days after that in order to really expedite the healing of that injury. Okay. Right. So it seems like an enormous amount to people. Absolutely. That's my point. Right. And this is not an enormous amount um, in the world of herbalism, but when we apply herbalism to the average American that has only used pharmaceutical dosing, it seems like an extraordinary amount. Right. Now, if we're working preventatively, if it's just preventing disease, right, we've seen, you know, mom has arthritis and dad has diabetes and cardiovascular disease, and we don't want to go down that train. Right. Then we really just need about a teaspoon a day, right? A teaspoon of turmeric root, which we said you can get into your food. You can take it in capsule form. There's really no wrong way to get it in, mm. right? So just a teaspoon for either prevention or maintenance. Let's say you've been on a therapeutic dose of turmeric. You've gotten maximum benefits. You've really 
reversed a lot of the aspects of that condition, and now you want to maintain your health, then you might come down again to just a teaspoon a day, right? Okay. For chronic conditions or maintenance uh, of your health. Right. Okay. Um, so Sherry, let me, let me share my favorite um, preparation for yeah. turmeric, uh, which is golden milk. I'm sure you've heard of golden milk. It's a very popular beverage, medicinal <laughs> beverage. Yeah. And in order to make uh, golden milk, it's best to make turmeric paste first. So this is the traditional way. Now we currently have companies that are making blends with turmeric. It's really easy, like Banyan Botanicals. Um, yeah. You can get their preparation where you just add the powder into hot water and or milk or some combination and you drink that. And that's great. It's delicious, easy. But if you want to make the traditional preparation, you yeah. start by making turmeric paste, which you can make in a large batch that you can store in your refrigerator for up to 40 days. Okay. And then you can take the paste of that and use it for cooking or for making your golden milk, right? Perfect. Now this activates the turmeric, right? By doing the cooking of the turmeric, then we're going to activate it. So it's essentially ready for maximum absorption if you go through the extra step of doing this paste preparation. Okay. So you're going to take a fourth of a cup of turmeric powder, right? Okay. So again, ideally you get a good high quality organic turmeric root powder. You get a fourth a cup of that and then a half a cup of water. And then you're going to combine those together in a small saucepan and you're going to cook it on medium heat until a thick paste is formed. Okay. Now, if you're, if you're stirring this and the water is evaporating off and it gets too thick, you can always add a little bit more water, right. To reconstitute it. So it's really forgiving. It's not like, Oh my God, I've ruined this. Now I need to toss it. Right. Just add a little bit more water until you get a nice thick paste. Okay. And that is what you're going to store in an airtight container in the refrigerator, which I mentioned, you can store that for up to 40 days. So you might want to put a little label on it that gives you the expiration. So count 40 days from the day that you prepared it so you can keep track of that Okay. and just use it before then, right? Yeah. Now that is the paste that you're going to use in order to make your golden milk. So okay. for golden milk, you'll take a cup of whatever type of milk you want. If you're using cow's milk, please, please, please make sure that it's organic even if you're not fully sold on the organic thing, which there's a whole laundry list of reasons why we should, when it comes to dairy products, um, we really want to be cautious about consuming conventional dairy for a lot of reasons, which I won't belabor, but I do want to make sure that we emphasize organic for cow's milk. But of course you can use any type of milk, rice, soy, almond, oat, whatever you like. Okay. So you've got a cup of milk and then you take a teaspoon of your paste, right? So you've made that already. It's in the refrigerator. You take a teaspoon of that paste. And then traditionally a fourth of a teaspoon of almond oil was used. Hmm. Um, now I personally have my own hesitations with almond oil because it's one of the polyunsaturated oils. That's very difficult to find good, high quality uh, okay. of. So yeah. I, would rather use a more stable fat like ghee or even coconut oil. Okay. Right. So for a little bit of fat, right? So we mentioned how important this is for the absorption of the turmeric paste that you have activated by cooking it into the paste. Yeah. So you're going to take your cup of milk, your teaspoon of your turmeric paste and a little bit of a healthy fat. 
You're going to combine all of those into a saucepan on low heat. If it is cow milk, then you're going to want to bring that just to the boiling point, right? So just when it starts to bubble up, then you want to take that off of the heat immediately. Okay. Um, and then you can add a sweetener if you like. I personally like um, uh, maple syrup, but you can add uh, raw honey if it's cooled off to a comfortable drinking temperature. And then a lot of people like to use a little frother um, and make it a little foamy. Um, yeah. And now you've got your golden milk. That's beautiful. I'm going to eat that as soon as we're done talking. <laughs> I love it. Fantastic. You know, I just want to, can you just mention real quick, because you mentioned maple syrup, which that's my go-to. I love yes. honey too. Love honey. But can you just, a lot of people don't know that when you heat honey, it's right. not great. So can we just, just for a second mention? Yeah. That? So that's why I mentioned, if you're going to add honey as your sweetener to your hot beverage, make sure that you wait a little while until it has cooled off to a comfortable drinking temperature. Um, because Ayurveda recommends that we don't heat honey. When we heat honey, even, even heating it, not just cooking it, right? Cooking it is even more extensive exposure to heat. Yeah. But even heating honey is considered to be unfavorable because it changes the molecular structure of the honey into a substance that is stickier in nature. And it acts a little bit like a glue in our system. And so that's why actually for many reasons, we don't want conventional honey. We want raw honey and you want to either use it raw, like you can even spread it on things or making paste. Like we talked about a turmeric and black pepper paste that you can eat off of a spoon, or you want to add it to warm beverages when they're not boiling hot. Yeah. Right. And so that's why, again, just to get around that whole issue, because <laughs> I like my hot beverages hot. Yeah. 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 I'll just use maple syrup. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mary Alice, this has been, you should see all my notes. Oh, good, good, good. I'm so I, happy to hear that. I, I just, I'm sure all of the listeners are just fascinated and are hungry for more on this topic because mm. it spoke to me today. I'll tell you that. And I'm, I'm really hoping that the listeners got as much out of this conversation as, as I have. And I kind of had an introduction to all of this, but to dive yes. deeper, I'll tell you something. If I was listening to this and I was suffering with chronic joint pain or whatever, you better believe it. I would look into some turmeric. Mm, mm. Amen, yeah. sister. I'm yeah. with you 100%. Yeah. Hey, let me, um, in closing, let me just mention, because uh, I, I mentioned the dose for actually getting real therapeutic value out of your turmeric. And we talked about that that's roughly about an ounce, which translates to about four uh, tablespoons. Yeah. Um, and so that is enough to really turn people off. And I, I want to make this as accessible to people as possible, but also giving all of us the reality of mm -hmm. using herbal medicines. Because unfortunately, what happens is people will take a much smaller amount, not get the desired effects, and then think that herbal medicine doesn't work. And the problem is, is that we are not working herbal medicine, right? So the way that we take this in clinical practice and how I counsel my clients is to take that tablespoon and put it into a small juice glass of warm water. So you put the tablespoon into your glass, you fill it with warm water. And I say warm because if it's hot water, then you're really going to extract a lot of the flavor from the turmeric and it's going to be harder to drink. Okay. Um, if you use cold water, then it's difficult to stir the powder in, right? So warm water is the sweet spot. Then what you're going to do is you stir it up, you plug your nose, 
and you suck it down. Okay. And then you don't breathe through your nose until you chase that with some thing that you do like the taste of, okay. like your tea or your juice, or even, you know, pop something in your mouth, like a, a piece of fruit. Yeah. Um, and then you'll never taste it. Um, okay. And you can easily do that once, twice, three, four times a day, depending upon how much of this anti-inflammatory blood cleansing, liver supportive, anti-cancer support you need. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I, what I would like to close in saying this, I appreciate you and your knowledge more than I could ever say. And so mm. at this moment in time, please let people know where they can get a hold of you. I, I really, I hope people reach out to you. I just have so much respect for you. I know you over, over a year, almost two years now. And yep. I, I really encourage people, if you're not feeling well and you have a chronic situation, please reach out to, to Dr. Mary Alice because she's fabulous and she's just really, really knows her stuff. So could you just mm. let them know where you might be? <laughs> Thank you, Sherry. I truly appreciate that. Those um, touches my soul. I'm available through my website, which is just my name. It's maryalicequinn.com. It's M-A-R-Y-A-L-I-C-E-Q-U-I-N-N.com. And there you can find my email address. You can find my phone number and please reach out and uh, let me know how I can be of service. Yes, because you do most of your practice is, is online anyway. Right. That's right. I do run a remote based practice, which out of the uh, roughly about 20 years that I've been in clinical practice, uh, half of that has been through telemedicine, remote based. So telemedicine is not new to me, although it's new to a lot of uh, practitioners because of the pandemic. I've been uh, working this way for a while, so uh, we don't need to be physically near each other. There is so much that we can accomplish remotely. Yes. And I, I recommend that you contact Mary Alice because you won't be sorry. And she's just a gift. And I am so grateful for this conversation. I hope we can, you know, meet back up um, yeah. soon because the hour goes by so fast. <laughs> it sure does. Especially <laughs> talking to you, Rick. Yeah, exactly. And maybe we could do, you know, a little bit more on another herb, but I, I mean, turmeric is, it's hard to follow turmeric. I know, right? I want to follow turmeric. <laughs> We've got, we've got some equally impressive things that we could discuss for sure. For sure. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Because, you know, it's just, we just, we care, we just care so much and we just want people to be well and not having to take medicines that are, you know, maybe helping one thing, but causing harm and so many other problems. So we just do it from a place of love and from our heart. And we just want to share this, this information and mm. just a shout out to Ayurveda, which is everything. Ayurveda is mm. everything. And if you're interested in Ayurvedic lifestyle and learning more about the beautiful practice and lifestyle of Ayurveda, Mary Alice or myself, I'm learning, but I'm always happy to offer whatever knowledge I have uh, discovered thus far. So Mary Alice, yes. thank you again. I appreciate you so much. Mm, thank you, Sherry. Namaste. Namaste. I'll talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you would like to experience healing or give the gift of healing to another, please go to my website, www.hamsaholistichealingandayurveda.com or email me at sherry at hamsaholistichealing.com or you can contact me on Facebook, Sherry Berjanski. I offer Ayurveda consultations, Reiki energy healings, 
reflexology and Ayurveda foot massage, tarot card readings, angel card readings, and much more. If you found this podcast helpful, please share an episode so that we can spread this wonderful wisdom of healing. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, take care. Namaste.